You're listening to True Heart. Amy and Scott Mallon dive deep with celebrities, mavericks, visionaries, and real-life heroes to find out what sets their souls on fire. Get ready for some trockings. Here's Amy and Scott. Hey guys, welcome to the True Heart Show with Amy and Scott Mallon. You can find our show wherever podcasts are available. You can subscribe. You can even leave us an amazing five-star review for which we will be eternally grateful. Totally. Um, And you can also find us on YouTube and you can subscribe there as well. And hey, listen, if you're somebody who ever uses the internet, I know you are, then join us at trueheart.com and search on our search engine. Here's the thing. It's free. It's easy. And all your searches help power donations to six amazing nonprofits that are out there changing the world. They are protecting the planet. They are literally saving lives. They're fighting for equality. They're promoting animal welfare. They're supporting our youth and they are feeding the hungry. So all you got to do is do searches like you normally would and you're raising money to help change the world. So trueheart.com, we're pretty proud of it. Uh, Come on over and join us and be a part of our community. Yeah. And anyone ages eight to 80 years old who has access to a phone, a tablet, or a computer. You better not have a phone if you're eight. (laughs) Um, You know what we're saying. If you got one of those devices and you're searching the web for cute puppy videos or you're booking restaurant reservations or buying a gift for a loved one, um, you're already doing what you could be doing for good. So just come do it with us. Don't be mad at me, my wife, my love, but um, I can tell she's a little tired today. Uh, I know that, uh, so this is crazy. I'm going to force her to do it. We had a really salty dinner last night. Um, usually I'm just salty in general, but last night we had a really salty dinner. I do call him my salt bay. Yes. So, uh, I hope you're okay. Yeah, I'm okay. You're good to go. Yeah. All right. Oh, you want me to tell him about the dream? If you want, I'm sort of, I'm sort of laying it up for you because I think it's too good to be true. This always happens when um, I eat things with a lot of salt. I'm super she sensitive. She only has these dreams when she eats salt. Yeah. So um, I dream that I'm like a super spy, kind of like Jennifer Garner in Alias. And so I'm like riding on a motorcycle, you know, chasing the bad guys, trying to retrieve this briefcase, you know, with a small like it's hard drive. Oh, it's a hard drive. Yeah, with a Wait, hard drive, which it's has a briefcase, and all it has in it is a hard drive. Yeah, of course, so because you can tell this is a dream. They always have the the um, you know, kind of like zero is this a hard drive from like 1987. It has to fit in a suitcase. No, they have those like zero Halberton type bulletproof uh, suitcases, and then it's like padded and protected, and then there's like the small hard drive with all of the like secrets that everyone's trying to steal. That whoever gets it can you know either destroy or save the world. So. Um, you know, it's high stakes. There's a lot in the balance and the future of the world is like on my shoulders. So, um, I'm always like, you know, cruising through these amazing, like international destinations, you know, like the streets of Paris or in Spain, what you should be eating salt all the time. Well, it's, it's fun, you know, and I magically know Kung Fu in the dream, which I love (laughs) because Scott knows I've always secretly wanted to be a ninja. Um, but yeah, the dream is fun, but it's like so action packed that then I get up a few times in the night because of all the salt and I've got to pee. That's what happens when you eat a lot of salt and then I'll go back to sleep and I'm like, oh shit, I got to pick up where I left off because I was chasing the bad guys and I still don't have the hard drive, you know? So then it's always like in my dream trying to like find the bad guys and pick up where I left off. Um, but I definitely find the briefcase. I never, yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Find, there's always a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. There's always a happy ending. It. You know, I saved the world. I'm not alone though. I do have to say I'm part of the team. There's like, you know, tech experts. Oh. No, you're not. You're not in this one. I'm it's, literally it's just me. I'm just star. sweaty and growling next to you in the bed because I'm so hot from all the salt. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone can relate to this. If you have these like, you know, salt fueled adventurous dreams or if I'm the only one could be. Um, but you could pretty much bet on the it's fact. It's amazing that you only have this dream when you eat salt. Anyway, that's yeah, why I want to never... share it. I just think it's amazing that that's her go-to dream if she eats too much salt at night. Yeah. And it's probably the closest that I'm going to get to be like a real life superhero, like today's guest, Jeff. Nice segue. I know you like that, right? Um, who's literally like a walking, talking GI Joe. He's doing this for he's, real. Not He's amazing. He didn't eat too much salt, go to sleep. He just yeah. literally woke up and he was like, this is my life. Yeah. So to get for to me, talk to a real Navy SEAL is pretty dope. Yes. Um, Jeff is a great friend. He's an amazing human. And yeah, we, we have so much fun chatting with him today, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Today's episode is The Hero Within, and our guest is a dear friend, so this show is extra special. Jeff Reeves lives a fascinating life. He served this country as a Navy SEAL for eight years and deployed overseas working in or off the coast of nine different countries in support of the global war on terrorism. During his time in the military, he also served as the officer in charge with the Navy's dynamic parachute demonstration team, the Leapfrogs. He and his teammates performed demonstrations under canopy into stadiums for Major League Baseball, National Football League, NASCAR, and X Games events nationwide. After returning to civilian life, Jeff moved to Los Angeles in pursuit of another goal, acting. Jeff has worked as an actor and host in numerous movies, television shows, commercials, and video games. His need for speed led him to become a professional race car driver competing in two different nationwide series. Currently, Jeff is a high-performance driver and ambassador for some of the world's most coveted luxury automobile brands. If that wasn't enough to keep Jeff busy, he's also the co-owner of Shadowworks, a veteran-owned company that manufactures wearable gear for military, law enforcement, and civilians who find themselves in harsh environments. Jeff also teaches firearms training across the country. To make a difference in the world, Jeff donates his time to Force Blue, a unique veteran charity comprised of combat diver trained veterans from all branches of the military working to save our coral reefs. So let's get into it with Jeff. Um, I was thinking about this. I was, don't laugh, but I was watching Creed 2 uh, a little bit last night. And one of the things about that movie I thought was so interesting, I think you could speak to this better than most people, is this idea of pain. And that we're always trying to avoid pain, which makes sense, right? Human beings don't want to be in pain. But if you learn to embrace the pain a little bit, if you learn to, I'm not going to say like pain, but like if you're not, if you're spending your whole life just going, I can't be around pain. I don't want to ever experience pain, whether physical pain or whatever. Or emotional pain. Or emotional pain. Like you kind of wall yourself off and it's a natural thing to want to do. Like people who got like go through a bad breakup, let's say, I don't want to experience. I, I don't want to date again for a while. But you are somebody who's really like you talk about SEAL training. Um, like you can't get through that if you're afraid of pain. So what is it like? What is your no. kind of on like people who I just think this is a valuable lesson. You know, what's your stance on pain and like, you know, life and like how you should view it? You know, you, you hear all those different sayings like pain is weakness, leaving the body or pain is temporary, glorious forever type stuff. 
um, I think it's it's a way to manage it. Like for me, I kind of feed off of it. Now I'm not talking pain like uh, a broken arm or something like that, but talking where it absolutely sucks to be cold or wet or tired or when you're working out and you're lifting and it's like the pain or when you're running a marathon, that pain, um, whatever that is in, in your daily life. I have found to embrace it embrace it and I actually feed off of it. I don't make it a enemy of mine, I make it an ally of mine. And uh, for example, when I go work out at this this place that I do here in, in Dallas called Exos, um, we have top-notch digital trainers, we have top-notch coaches, top-notch nutritionists and everything. And when they say, okay, it's your turn to, to pick whatever like the last cardio pushes or the last whatever uh, to finish up, I always look at the trainer and I'm like, what's the toughest one? Like, like make me suffer through it because it's going to build you on the back end. If you always take the weak road, the weakness is going to make weak men or, or women. But if you learn to endure through that pain, push past the pain, you're going to be, it's a mental builder at the same time because you found that you're okay. You came out on the near side. And uh, I, I personally, for me, I just make it my ally. Like I welcome it. Then I just learn to battle through it. Well, speaking of the um, emotional pain that people can endure and leaning into that, I want to rewind to Jeff Reeves as a kid for a moment. We talked about many years ago um, how we both were bullied a lot as kids. And so I'm just wondering, Jeff, um, do you think that's why you love superheroes so much? Because they fight for justice and they go after the bad guys. Do you think there's any connection there? Um, I don't know if that's why I like superheroes. I definitely do think that's why I went to, I, I lean towards the military. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. There were a couple kids, there were kids that got bullied way worse than I did. Um, but I, I had my fair share. I mean, I was a small school. We had 130 plus in my graduating class and those in high school and those same people that I had in 12th grade were the same people I had in first grade. So if you got made fun of in third grade, you heard about it for the next nine years. Um, so there, I got my fair share, but there was like, and just because I was in Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, and all my friends were for a little bit and then they weren't. But uh, I mean, there's still some people that I do not like from high school, but um, I think it also made me stronger at the same time. I mean, look, my mom remembers me coming home crying from school, like I didn't wanna go back again. And she's like, nope, you're going back to school. But I, and I can't imagine it today, because today with social media, you cannot get rid of it. Uh, Cause it's constantly being barraged. Where like back when I went to school, you could go home and it, and it all chilled out until you went back in the hallways the next day. But, um, but I learned to deal with it. I learned uh, what true friendships were because I was friends with with uh, several different groups. I was friends with the band people. I was friends with the uh, the jocks. I was uh, ended up being like my uh, in high school becoming friends with um, you know just the arts people, and that I think was a great benefit to me, where I was forced to make new friendships and see how they weaved through through the school year, depending on sports, depending on activities that you did. But um, I think. I think the like of superheroes is because is because of like what they stand for or what they try to do because and that's one thing one criticism I think I have of cartoons these days is when I grew up it was Transformers, GI Joe, Voltron, GoBots, etc., He-Man, etc. and there was definitive good, definitive evil, 
and they showed the struggles through the through the the cartoons. Oh, I got to throw in Robotech. Robotech was a great cartoon, but um, it always was like good prevails. And then there's a message that came out of it. And then we went to where everybody just gets along, the Teletubbies or Barney, and we lost a bit of that. And admittedly, I haven't watched cartoons today, but it just seems like we've lost some of that basic education that I was getting through the TV. Yeah. Well, I, I only have one response to that is super deep thought, which is that on HBO Max, they are showing Super Friends, the original. And yeah. I highly recommend that you view this as soon as possible. Okay. The first Super episode, Friends. I watched it Saturday morning, 9 a.m. I think it was Saturday morning, 9 a.m. And I told, I was telling Maxwell, um, I didn't, like, there's no Netflix and Hulu and all this stuff, right? So you had to be in front of the TV to watch it. Yeah, otherwise you missed it. And I oh. look back, you know how you like when you look, when you watch something as a kid, you have this fond memory of it, and then you see it again. Like I remember, what, I don't know if you remember this movie, Lady Hawk. I loved it. It was Rucker Howard mm. and Matthew Broderick. Great movie. And I went back and watched it. And I was like, this soundtrack is the worst soundtrack I've ever. <laughs> but I remember it's like so. Super Friends is the same thing. You go back and you watch it. I'm telling you, it is so funny. First of all, they have it's a hilarious. blatant ripoff of Scooby-Doo. They have really? a dog called Wonder Dog that goes rrr, rrr, and like talks like Scooby-Doo. And, and then they, they have the shaggy they guy. They have the shaggy look-alike. So crazy. they blatantly rip that off. And the way that Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman interact and talk, it is phenomenal. You just have to go see it. Okay, I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll watch it's, it. It's fantastic. Well, switching gears from uh, heroes on screen to real life heroes, because that's how Scott and I see you. Um, We've said this to you. It's true. We've said this to you in private uh, many times over the years, but I think it's worth saying publicly. And that is obviously that our family is so grateful for your service. And we have the utmost respect and admiration for you and every man and woman who served this country. And it, it leads me to want to talk with you about bravery because I think a lot of people don't understand and appreciate that it takes a very special person to sign up to protect and defend the freedoms of millions of people that they will never meet. Um, and so how did you cultivate that mentality of being a real life superhero? And I know you're modest, so it's not how you view yourself, but how did you how did you cultivate cultivate that mentality of just saying, I'm gonna be brave and I'm gonna protect these people that I don't know them, but I'm willing to give my life to protect and defend their ability to live the life that they want to live? Um well thank you for that. It's very kind of you. I don't I don't think it's something that you go, I want to be brave, and then you go into it. I think that is a term that other people give you um, depending on how they view you just like what is a good leader what is a bad leader that you earn that from other people you don't say that you are one or the other Uh, I wanted to join the military because I wanted to be and it's interesting why people join the military Uh, it could be because they want college money or they need college money or they want to get out of a small town from there and go see the world and, and they look at the military as an out to to earn or, or get a skill set or earn uh, a new way of life to then 
move out from where they are. So the reason why people go into the military is as vast as fingerprints, I believe. Um, and then what you do in the military is a reaction or the job that you choose or how I should say the, the way in which you do your job, one is dependent by the job because you have to hit a certain level of it. But then I think of how you act within it is just based upon you and who you are and what you believe in your morals or values. Like I was not going to be one to let the guy to my left and the guy to my right down at all. I was not going to have the reputation. I was not going to be, because I didn't want them to let me down. And when you're against a formidable force or when you are tasked to go in to, to fill, fulfill a mission set by the, uh, by the government for the betterment of the United States, is, you know why I did it, um, you have to go do it because that's your job. And I enjoyed doing it. I really enjoyed doing it. Uh, I'd, I'd do it again if I, if I could. Right. That's kind of one of the things because I got injured and ended up getting out because of it. Um, it's a little kind of dig where I don't think I got out of my terms or when I wanted to. I wasn't finished yet. So it's always been one of the things that it kind of grinds on me. But um, to sit there and be like, oh, I want to go in because I want to be brave. That's that's, you know, the, you know, the person's full of shit if that's exactly what they if that's why they did it. Because bravery comes out of you being put into certain circumstances. Um, like, for example, a lot of the movies that you see now between Lone Survivor, uh, American Sniper, um, things like that, those are, those are all about guys that I either knew or were, like Chris Kyle was two classes ahead of me. So, I mean, we bumped into each other uh, during training. We, he, you know, he may have given me a dirty look or, or I talked to him briefly. Uh, I remember a couple of times, but he didn't really know who I was. But he got his reputation because of what he believed in and how he acted and other people then said he was that particular characteristic. Um, I personally knew Mike Murphy. We went through buds together or excuse me, went, he was a couple classes behind me in OCS. So I got to spend time with him there. We were in buds together. And if you don't know, Mike Murphy uh, died on one survivor with many other people, but uh, he was the, the OIC of that four man recon unit. Um, we were through training together before he got rolled back because he had cellulitis. And we were drinking beers together. We went out chasing girls together. We went out to some movies together, had dinner together many times. And um, he was characterized, he is characterized the way he is because how he, what he believed in and how he acted during those times. Just like all the other guys that were on that mountain, just like all the other guys that came in the QRF bird to help them, but unfortunately got knocked out of the sky. So, I mean, it's you it's kind of the the person that says put me in coach and you're just willing to to go accept it i mean look at the guys in mogadishu uh, that whole thing i had the the wonderful ability to go talk to a gentleman that was there actually in the mob who was in the where was one of the rangers on the ground unbelievable unbelievable now if you would have said knowing that was going to happen you've gone in there because yeah i wanted to be brave probably not i mean i i, I know uh, look at the guys in benghazi that whole thing that uh, the annex that went to go help save the um, the ambassador and then had to deal with that. I had a real good talk with Chris Tonto Pronto about that whole thing, was asking him questions like, what did the movie get right? What did the movie get wrong? What about this uh, you know, or that? And he was just answering questions and he was, was amazing. And I don't think that talking to him, they were, they were forced in that situation. When you're in that situation, you deal with what comes at you and whatever people say about you in the back end, they say about you, but 
Well, I'm wow. sorry for the military family that you lost over the years um, who who served this country and and sadly didn't make it back. Um, that's, they're all heroes. They're, I mean, it's incredible. They are you know, all heroes. Those guys are. You said those guys are, yeah. Those guys are the brave ones. Those guys are the brave ones. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned um, leadership, and I'm super interested what you – what you think makes a good leader? Because in in that profession, uh, those choices lead to life or death. They can lead to life or death. And um, you know, uh, there's no. It's a crucible, right? I mean, you just you get put, like you said, you get put into that situation. It's like trial by fire, literally. Um, and I'm sure you've had good and bad experiences on that front. I'm just curious. What do you think? You know, for you. What are the what, what makes a good leader? Um, I like well, to me, a good leader is one that looks after their men, and is one that others can follow. Not necessarily look up to, but can follow. Like they trust in, um, and that, and that that's that's kind of like the the thirty thousand foot perspective of it all. But for example, like I always made sure that my guys had their pay taken care of that they um, had their vacation when they needed it and they had the gear that they needed to accomplish the mission with. If they, if they were done with their job, they can get out of here, go spend time with your family. But at the same time, I also expected and demanded them to fulfill their job and get it done at the same, and, and get it done, not just done, but done right. So if you had to come back and do it again, then what are we doing? You're not exceeding, you're not expecting my expectations. From the, to be a good leader for them uh, tactically was to, it was my job to understand strategy, to understand tactics, to understand all that would it take to make up a solid battle plan in order to go into, to make sure that everybody got home. Uh, I learned a very, one of the great, one of the best things that I, I remember uh, my, my OIC when I was a, a young J.O. was from my uh, OIC, Aaron Johnson, AJ. And I remember we were looking at a, a, um, a map on the table and we had like cars we were moving around and we're about to, for an exercise, we were going to go do this hit. And I looked at it and he looked at me. After everybody left, I just kind of looked at it. And I was trying to figure out my head. And he goes, what? I said, oh, nothing. He goes, no, what? And I said, well, why wouldn't you do it like this or like this? And he said, okay, let's think about that. And he goes, if you do it this way, he goes, what's my final objective? And we restated it. He goes, okay, now with what we have here, is that still number one? Yeah. Now let's go back here and do what you're thinking. What's our final objective? Well, it's still the same. Okay, do we achieve this as great as we do this way? I was like, oh, okay. So it's what do I gain, what do I lose in every type of situation? And to understand like that tactics, that strategy, to read basically books. And I mean, I, I reference a lot of books like Black Hawk Down, like Bravo 2-0, the one that got away. Um, things of the past that I could learn from to, if I needed to implement. Like in some of those books, I redid all my gear on what I would take in the field because of those books, because of the lessons learned. Uh, I also think that as a leader, you, you shield the men from the stuff that rolls downhill from the top. And when it goes right, it's because of the men. When it goes wrong, it's because of you. Uh, and that's yeah. just something I I tried to 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 stick to and, and practice every chance I got. 
I think but, that's uh, to that's accountability beautiful. and and honor. And yeah. there are a lot of people who don't realize that those are important values as a leader. So it's remarkable to hear you um, say that that's how you treated um, you know the folks that you served with. Um, because that that does define a, it's leader. a beautiful microcosm too for like taking that away from the military. You know, any it's who's in like a position of power, any or industry. leader to say when things get done right, it's because of you guys. If things get done wrong, it's because of me. Like that's 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 amazing. I'm gonna totally take that one with me. That's a, that's an amazing thing. That no, it's just an incredible way to uh, perspective because then it's never about you. You know, you're you're being inspiring, you know, you're making sure your team has what they need to succeed. And when they do, you give them all the credit. Hey guys, we hope you're enjoying the show. Don't forget to subscribe wherever podcasts are found. And you can also find us on YouTube uh, and get the whole show experience and subscribe there as well. Today's episode was brought to you by Tushy. Are you still wiping your butt with all that toilet paper you hoarded last year? How's that going for you? Let me introduce you to a new way to clean after you handle your business. Meet Hello Tushy. Tushy is the modern bidet that easily clips to any toilet and installs in just 10 minutes. Starting at just $99, Tushy sprays a precise stream of clean water and washes away all of that literal crap that toilet paper leaves behind. Upgrade your bathroom experience by going to hellotushy, T-U-S-H-Y dot com. That's hellotushy.com. Tushy saves the environment and reduces your carbon butt print. Tushy saves you money on toilet paper and Tushy saves your butt. Go to HelloTushy, that's T-U-S-H-Y dot com. Stop wiping, start washing with Tushy. True Heart is brought to you by This Saves Lives. This Saves Lives is a ridiculously delicious food brand that gives back. Every single purchase sends life-saving food to a child in need. Co-founders Kristen Bell, Ryan Devlin, Todd Grinnell, and Ravi Patel launched This Saves Lives with a simple motto, buy a bar, feed a child, we eat together. Now with more than just bars, their products contain premium ingredients and are non-GMO, gluten-free, and kosher dairy. Their unique line of kids' products all contain one full serving of fruits and vegetables and are safe for school. To buy their ridiculously delicious snacks, head on over to thissaveslives.com. True Heart is brought to you by Half United. For over a decade, lifestyle brand Half United has been using fashion to feed people all over the world. To break the cycle of generational poverty, the community provides gainful employment to local artisans in vulnerable communities who create their handmade and sustainable products. For every Half United product purchase, seven meals are given to a child in need. Half United has donated over one million meals to date. Shop their beautiful jewelry, tees, handbags, and home accessories at halfunited.com and help fight global hunger. True Heart is brought to you by Brothers Meatballs. Say ciao to tradition and hello to your new favorite plant-based Italian bistro in Los Angeles, Brothers Meatballs. Brothers Meatballs was founded by brothers and food industry veterans Mauro and Sergio Corbia, who hail from the Isle of Sardinia, Italy. When they joined forces with second-generation Italian chef Mark Middleman, their self-proclaimed brother from another mother, the concept for Brothers Meatballs was born. 
Mauro was the founder and creator of Mauro's Cafe inside Fred Siegel, a long-standing LA hotspot. Dissatisfied with the amount of plant-based dining options, reminiscent of the home-cooked meals their mother once made, the brothers were determined to create a menu so delicious it would appeal to herbivores and omnivores alike. Inspired by the food mama so lovingly prepared for Sunday suppers, these meatballs are a modern take on a family classic. All menu items are 100% plant-based and made with mama's secret ingredient, love. Angelinos can order lunch and dinner Wednesday through Sunday at brothersmeatballs.com. It's, it's interesting. Uh, so I work for a company post-military that we teach that we do these endurance events and through these endurance events, I mean, we, we push people to their max. They're cold, wet, tired. It's all volunteer. They can leave anytime. But um, through it all, we teach teamwork, effective communication, and leadership. And I'm fascinated to watch what people think as a leader. And they say lead from the front. You see people physically get up front and lead. But in doing so, they can't see what's going on behind them. Or they think that means they've got to take all the weight and they've got to take on every single burden, even though there's 30, 40 people that are also there. Like, what are you doing? You are now the, the problem of the group because you can't even manage yourself because you have all this weight. Space it out amongst the people. Let them help you. That's what they're there for. Like leading from the front is not, doesn't necessarily mean physically. Sometimes it does. But it's, it's like also understanding how to accomplish the, the goal that is at hand the easiest for your men or, and women in your group to make it easier for them along the way. But if you're so laden down with burden or and you can't, you're now the problem, how can you do that? And it's interesting to see how people would go from being one of the group to being the leader and then also they just flip on them where they think yelling at them, getting their faces, being mean and aggressive is leading um, or micromanaging. And I'll ask them, are you micromanaged at work? And they'd be like, well, no. Well, what makes you, and like, if the, if you were, do you, would you like it? They go, no. Well, how come you're doing it to these people? And like, if you don't like, if you don't like somebody that you put in charge, then change them out. You're the leader. Put somebody in there you can trust. So it's also a balancing act of being a cheerleader to your group to encourage them to go on and then being forceful when you need to, to have to, get the job done at the same time. It's a balancing act, but it isn't one or the other because you're not their friend, they'll run all over you. But you're not a, a, a baron where you just like haul off on them every single time. Nobody's gonna like you. So it was, it's fascinating to watch what people think is leadership. And I look at them and I'll say, like wherever you think the leader, like these leadership abilities come from, it's from people that you've seen in your life that you you see as leaders. Doesn't mean they're good leaders or bad leaders, but to you, that is leading. And if that's the case, man, there's a lot of shitty leaders out there. It's so great to hear you talk about this. I think it's so interesting. And uh, you know, we talked to um, a friend of ours, David, uh, David Liu, who. Uh, ascended to the top of the like corporate ladder in finance. And he just wrote a book and his whole thing was, you know, they teach you stuff in school, but the things that you need to learn to move up that ladder is that nobody teaches it to you. And I think it's got to do with what you're talking about. You know, I don't, I haven't, you know, I don't know exactly what David, you know, would say about this, but for me, it just seems like these are the kinds of things they don't teach you in school. You know, they don't teach you, how to be a leader. They don't teach you how to interact and, and maintain balance and 
I think this is so valuable, you know, how to be a good communicator, yeah. how to have healthy relationships. I mean, these are the priceless life skills that I think most people learn just trial by fire, you know, just through having these experiences, making mistakes and then going, Ooh, that didn't work. Um, but that didn't yeah. do more of that. So there's yeah. so much that I think you've experienced Jeff in your career in the military. That's so valuable and translates into all the other things that, you know, you're doing um, in your life, both personally and professionally. Yeah, because it could mean the difference between success or failure, just how you mm -hmm. respond to things. Uh, and people don't realize like maybe habits they have or perspectives that they have are limiting them and keeping them from achieving what they believe they deserve or what they probably truly do deserve. Um, what are the, what? No, go ahead. I was just gonna say, so, you know, learning, to change your perspective a little bit. Because uh, I, I, I really do believe this, as long as you're not hurting anybody, um, you know, there really isn't so much of a right and wrong. There's just your perspective and how you see things and how you grew up and what your experiences were and that, you know, what you were taught and that colors how you live. And that, but the beautiful thing about that is you can change your perspective. You can be taught new things. You can learn to create new habits and you don't have to just live like a piece of stone from the beginning to the end. So, you know, learning these things, like these skills, tools, whatever you want to call them, like life lessons, that's the critical piece. Like just be open to it. And, you know, that's the key. If yeah. one is willing to be open to it, a lot of yeah. people are afraid to be wrong because then they, they, they match that with their identity. But one of the, yeah. one of the, let's say one of the best things that the SEAL teams do is they actually integrate the officers with the enlisted. And no other unit does that in the military. So from train from the beginning of training, the officers are right there next to enlisted. We're eating with them. We're we're, we're uh, birthed with them. Everything. The only difference is that our test scores are uh, have to be higher. There's a there's a, there's a higher minimum allowance for that, and that the instructors call us sir, right? So, but with there's there's that earned respect I think between the enlisted and the officers and the SEAL teams because of that. But then it also, uh, for example, in my platoon, I'm really one of them. It's just like a rank thing or it's like, that's my job. So therefore, while I may have guys down in boats, motors and armory and um, over the airloft, making sure everything is good to go and ready for whatever we have to do, the exercise we have to do, the mission we have to do, I'm upstairs and I'm being a PowerPoint commando because that's my job. Like, a, like all of that to be down with them isn't helping the overall platoon, but me being very good at my job, taking all this information, filling out, making these different missions come out, I have to be very good at that. And I don't mean necessarily like making a good PowerPoint. I mean the strategy, the comms plans, the um, the, the whole logistics piece of it all. Because when you're when you're interlocking boats, vehicles, planes, etc., there's a lot of stuff that has to go on. Make sure you got the proper gear for the mission you need to be on, and you're building that out. But when I'm done with that. And I've done my job. And sometimes, I, I mean, many times I'd be there as long or later than the guys doing theirs. But when I'm, if I happen to get out early, well, then I become one of them. Meaning I go down to the boats and motors. I go down over to the airloft. I go over to the armor. Like, hey, guys, rather than go home, I go down to, to where they are. I'm like, hey, guys, like, I work for you now. What do you need help with? Because if I were to go home and they're still working there, that's pretty crappy. So... Who needs help? Where? What can I do? Let's let's knock this out so we all can go home. Well, that's being a good leader. 
Um, well, we've got two more questions for you, Jeff. So sure. obviously service is such an incredible way to make an impact and give back. How do you think we can best honor the legacy of people who've served this country? We as a society or we as a no, we as a society. Um, I saw a sign that said that was pretty interesting. I actually liked it. Uh, and you asking that question, a lot of things run through my mind as I'm looking at several flags that flew over war zones in, in the Middle East and such. Um, but I think it, it kind of comes up to be the person that an American soldier wants to fight for. And what, is that, what does that mean to you? What qualities would that embody? Would someone like you want to risk their life to fight for? If you were, if, if you were to go overseas and you were to put your life in harm's way, what kind of person would you want to be defending back in your country? And I think that answer is different for different people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, really what, uh, to me, what you're defending is the, the idea of America, the ideals of America, you know, the right to be able to say what you want and think what you want, and it's okay. And everyone is allowed to voice their opinion. Again, as long as you're not hurting people or hurting someone, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter, you know, what side of the spectrum you're on. You should be able to sit down and have a conversation and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're I agree both, with you. And we you both, should be able to sit down and have a conversation. And and we, both, like, we both want the best for America. And it's like you said when you were talking about with your uh, commander, right, and, and looking at the at the map, right? And, you know, you're like, well, what if we try it this way? And he's like, you could have a – you could both look at a map and say, this is a map, and we both agree on the objective, and now let's just figure out the best way to get there. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's the key. We can all just agree on the same kind of, we all want what's best for our kids, best for our country. You know, you start from that place and we can all agree on like what, what a fact is, then I think you can get there, you know? And also just that every single person has a right to be authentically who they are. And, sure. by, being, and by being who you feel you are supposed to be, it doesn't infringe upon the right of someone else to be who they feel they are supposed to be. So we can have a different life perspective and choose to, you know, want to have pink hair and a nose ring or want to love a person of the same sex or choose a career, you know, that someone might not agree with. Sure. And it does in no way impact somebody else's life. And, and I agree with Scott, you know, as long as you're not hurting other people, whatever makes you happy as a human being should be fine with every other human being because nobody can judge someone else's experience because we haven't lived it. And that's just our right to go for whatever experience makes our hearts yeah. happy. In Jeff's case, like you're, you're out there in the field, right? And you're commanding officers, really the president of the United States, right? You may not have voted for him. You know, he may, he may not have been your choice. Uh, but it doesn't matter. You know, this is somebody who in their heart wants the best for America. And you know that. And, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it, you still have to do it, right? I mean, that's part of being in the military, right? It's like you don't have the choice of being like, well, I didn't vote for him. So, no, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to go on the mission. Or hopefully her one day. Yeah, that won't go over very well. Or her. One day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, last question, Jeff. Um, You know, in your spare time, you're working with the Force Blue team to help save our coral reefs. So now you're also an eco superhero. Tell us about this important mission. I mean, I've been scuba diving since I was 20 years old. I was a scuba instructor for Patty, and I've been like water is just another a very comfortable place for me. I learned so much out of that one week. It was unbelievable. For example, we've all heard planet tree, save the rainforest. But what if I were to tell you that between all coral reef, and you think about it, coral only grows between the equator and about as high as Miami. On, in, in the northern part of the hemisphere and that same distance on the reverse on the, in the southern hemisphere. But it only grows in areas which can reach sunlight. So your depth isn't really very much and the ocean obviously goes very deep. So if you think about that small band around the globe and the shallow waters that are able for coral to reach sunlight and then someone tells you, as I was told, coral provides more oxygen from the earth than every living plant combined. Wow. Wow. I've never heard that before. Yeah, neither, neither that. have we. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, and I actually, I heard that. I was like, wait, stop, what? And they said that again. And I'm like, I've been in the water for over 20 years. I have never heard that before. And I said, yeah, well, they said, but don't get me wrong. It's not that you, you can't have green without blue and you can't have blue without green. So they are, they are yeah. together. But coral itself provides more oxygen from the world than every living plant combined. I was blown away by that. And then which makes it more impactful how important coral is. And then when you learn about like the isotropic cascade where how like coral is the base element of which every living creature in, um, in the ocean survives off of, with sharks being at the top. And as scary as sharks may be, they're absolutely necessary in the ocean. It's kind of like the garbage man. They, they clean up a lot. So, and, and if you look at all the different layers in between that triangle, the isotropic cascade, and you take out one sliver of that, the rest of it crumples. And it's fascinating to, to see that. It's, it's fascinating to hear it. It's fascinating then to go see it. And uh, which makes you like when you go out there and you start replanting coral, like for example, uh, this past Super Bowl and the one before off the coast of Florida, we have what's called the 100 Yards of Hope. We did it both times where we actually planted a football field underwater. So you got the end zones, you got every 10 yard line and the perimeter of the football field all underwater and hopes that that grows into a big coral reef over time. And from going back and doing, uh, taking pictures of it and seeing it, it is growing. We've been working with the Frost Science Center down in Florida. We've been working with the University of Miami down in Florida. And those are strategic, very important strategic partnerships with NOAA as well um, for use of some of their vessels and some of their uh, working with them as we get grants to help go and, and affect change into the, uh, into the into the ocean. And it's it's for us, like, I love it. Every chance I get, uh, I'm able to, I go out and, and dive because it, it actually feels good. It really does feel good. And it's, 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 I mean, you're working. It isn't like you're going on a scuba trip. I mean, you are working. We're, we're slabbing up cement on this, on the back of the boat. We're taking it down and carrying big home depot buckets underwater, breathing heavy while you're, you're, like you're battling tides and currents, taking it out, replanting coral, like 10 pieces of coral area, moving to another location, fighting, um, spiny sea urchin, fighting fire coral all, all along the way. 
It's in some areas. It's uh, but it's great. I mean, and it's so and it's fascinating because when you you hear about how all the different layers of the ocean work, and so we'll go down uh, with with the different coral, and you think like when when you go in or when you get close to an area, every fish scatters, right? You think about snorkeling or scuba, every fish scatters. No kidding, I'm sitting there replanting this coral underwater, and the coral is like apartment homes to fish and to zip and thilly, which actually give color to coral and all that. And as I'm planting this coral on the ground in front of me, or on the substrate in front of me, all of a sudden all these little fish come and are hanging out, and now they're like getting in my way as I'm trying to put this stuff in there. And I just remember sitting back going, oh my gosh. Like they're not running, they're welcoming it. They want this to see the life come back to it is phenomenal. It really it's is. Whisper. That's amazing. That's that amazing. Is, what you're yeah. it, it, it is. It's fascinating, Jeff. And we're so grateful that you gave your time to be with us today on our podcast oh, and for your service to this country and now to the planet. Scott and I are huge advocates to fight for the future of our planet. So it's, Amazing that you're applying your very special set of skills to now save our coral reefs. And um, we learned so much about that ecosystem that Scott and I even weren't aware of yeah. um, before today. So um, you're one of our yeah, check favorite. Check it out, forcebluteam.org. It's, it's cool. We will. Yes. Awesome. And um, thank you, Jeff. It was so good to virtually see you. We can't wait to see you in person soon and then to share this wild and crazy ride um, that you've been on in your life doing all of these fascinating things with our community. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. This was an thank awesome you. conversation. Thank you for having me on. It is great to see you both. I, I'm tell Maxwell I haven't forgotten about him. <laughs> we will. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. You bet. Thank you. Hey guys, don't forget to subscribe to The True Heart Show wherever podcasts are found. You can also subscribe on YouTube if you want the full show experience. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a cool review. You can leave us a five-star review if you're feeling crazy. Uh, we'd certainly appreciate it. We'd be forever grateful. And I just wanted to extend a special thank you to our guest today, Jeff Reeves, who is an awesome human, a real-life hero, and super inspirational. So thanks for joining the show. And thank you again, Jeff, for your service. And we want to thank all of our veterans and current active duty Absolutely. servicemen and women for their service and sacrifice. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't have the freedoms that we do or be able to live the lives that we all are able to enjoy without them. So if you see a vet or a serviceman or woman, please extend your heartfelt thanks. Amy always does that, by the way, something I love about her. She she sees someone in uniform, she always says a special thank you. and they. They really appreciate it. So if you see somebody, you know, go out of your way to say something. It means a lot. It's a, it's important to recognize people who literally are risking their lives for us on a daily basis. And that goes for firefighters and police officers and medical professionals as well. So just show your gratitude, express your thanks. It means a lot to everyone um, who's giving so much to, to our country. And um, we have an incredible season uh, with great guests. So you want to keep it locked, as I like to say here. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Don't go anywhere. I mean, do some other stuff in your life and then like come my back to door. us. But, you know. Keep it locked. <laughs> um, and yeah, come back next week for a great show. 
And of course, we want to remind you that you are invited to join our True Heart community where we're changing the world with every search. We donate 80% of our net profits to our six amazing charity partners, Smile Train, Action Against Hunger, Global Green, Four Paws for Ability, PFLAG National, and Variety Boys and Girls Club. They are doing amazing work to literally save lives, feed the hungry, protect the planet, promote animal welfare, fight for equality, and support our youth. So it's free and easy. You're basically donating to them every time you do a search, which you're doing anyway on any other search engine. You're going to get the same great results, but now you're actually changing the world. Yeah. So come search with us. We'd love to have you and um, have a beautiful week. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.